Hi and welcome everyone to the 74th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Alonson and today's podcast will be about Dynamics 365 integration flows. And with me today I have Ted Ulsson from DXC. Ted is a solution architect and a team lead at DXC, working with one feet in business and one feet in technology. Welcome Ted Ulsson. Hi, thank you Marcus. Pleasure to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm just fine, thank you. It's been a little bit rainy here in south of Sweden where we both live, but uh, I hope that the spring is just around the corner. Yeah, me too. CRM is all about managing a customer relationship. So what's a good customer relationship to you? Well, I think a good customer relationship is all about teaming up with the customer. I think you can take it down to to where it all began, somewhere in the Stone Age, I think, when people started to do trading. If you had one guy being really good at maybe making pants or some kind of clothes, and you had another guy being really good at making bread, and they started to trading because the guy making the, the clothes saw that the guy making the bread was a lot faster and a lot better at doing that, and he was a lot better doing the clothes, and they did a trade, and both felt like winners on that situation. And I think that it's the same thing with the customer relationship. As long as everyone feels like a winner, then it's a really good customer relationship. Who are your customers? I mainly work with with, uh, companies that that want to implement CRM or ERP, their company. Uh, My two main verticals that I'm working with, manufacturing companies and utility companies. And I meet all type of people from different levels within the organization. Everything from CEOs to sales guys uh, doing the daily business. As a solution architect, what is it that you do? Well, yeah, I have a really, really broad role, if so to say. I'm, I mean, I'm doing a, I'm being a team lead as well. So I spend a lot of time w- with my team, uh, looking on where do we want to go with the team, uh, how do we uh, develop us, uh, what new knowledge to bring in, and then. I do solution architects and solution architect is, as you know, like kind of the, the broadest uh, title you could have. I'm, I'm trying to fill that broad role. I, I meet up with the customers and do workshops. I uh, collect requirements and, and define the data module for the projects. But then I also go into the projects sometimes and I even, I do a lot of customization and sometimes I even do code. But yeah, let's let's just say that uh, I enjoy doing code more than than my developers enjoy me doing code. So uh, yeah, let's let's save it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not a such a code addict like me then? No, I mean I enjoy writing code, but but let's just say that I'm better at doing other stuff than writing code. So maybe I, I should k- uh, k- keep away from it. All right, then we're customers all the time what's your last memorable customer experience as a customer yeah so uh, i had a really good customer experience last summer when me and my girlfriend we were in uh, croatia and we were just going through islands being on one island one day and and uh, taking the boat between different places and then we went down to dubrovnik just for one night 
and we had just gone in to book it, book this little small hotel, hotel, really cheap. Actually, we had zero expectation of it. We came there, and the guy owning the place came, locked up for us, and it was really nice and fresh and so. And we just asked him, "Do do you know who we should call for a, t- a cab tomorrow morning? Because we're leaving really early in the morning." And he went to us and he said, well, uh, I, I can drive you. And we were like, yeah, fine, sure. And we thought we, we will pay him in the morning. And he just went there and it was really early, like four o'clock in the morning. He came, picked us up and drove us uh, to, to the harbor where we were leaving from. And uh, we were like, yeah, so so what do you want for it? He was like, no, no, it's it's a part of the, the service. We uh, just go in and on book it and, and rate me instead. And for me, that was, he was really for, I mean, really topping the expectations of that customer journey. So uh, I have spoken a lot of good about this place after that. So I think he did a really good job there as, as a salesman and, uh, and as a deliverer. So if we try to talk about the Dynamics 365 integrations, what is a data integrator? Okay, so the data integrator, it has a lot of components and I think we kind of need to go through them one by one to to really understand what it is. So first of all, I mean, the word CDS, I think that that could be one of the most confusing words that we are hearing right now. CDS. So that's common data service, right? Yes, correct. So CDS, it's, it's actually what was previously XRM. So when Microsoft released Dynamics 365, I mean, from the start, it was just Dynamics Operations and it was Dynamics CRM. And it was a really nice license module where it all kept together. And the functionality was not really there, but everyone saw that the goal was to build them together. And then they announced the CDS that would be the key, combining everything together. But when the first version of CDS was released, it was a new database, a platform where you would send data to from but it was not the actual engine transforming the data between it it was just a database hub that you would go into eventually when microsoft started working with cds they kind of had some struggles because the product i mean it takes a long time to build such a mature product and they took a look at the old crm or xrm platform and they just saw hey we are actually building two solutions that are really similar to each other. And we have this really stable, mature platform in the old XRM CRM uh, platform. And now we're trying to build the same thing from scratch again. So when releasing CDS 2.0, that was actually the CRM platform. And the whole thought about the CDS is that you will have a hub database that all integrations should go through. So when you have a big landscape with a lot of, of uh, systems everywhere, you are supposed to have a middle hub where you can build all integrations towards that middle hub. And if you then change any of the systems you have in your landscape, you just need to change the connection between that system and the CDS that's in the middle. So this is where some of are talking about the common data model because that's the entities and the data format for that so you um, integrate and transform whatever system you have into that model let's say a customer so we have this common data format or common data model for a customer 
and everyone is transforming into that and then from that out again. Yeah, so the CDS is is the platform. It's what uh, re- receives the calls and sends the calls out again and what's enabled you to create entities and stuff that you do within the CDS or the CRM platform, whatever you would like to call it. The CDM is more of a theoretical module of a set of uh, entities that are standard and that can be applied on multiple organizations and businesses and kind of look the similar and makes it possible to create BI and keep standard reports towards this module. So that's a part of the CDS. The CDM is kind of a set of entities in the CDS and then you can add on other stuff with that. And Microsoft has, has provided a couple of of setups uh, that they call industry accelerators that are add-ons. So first you have a common ground of CDM. That's accounts, contacts, addresses, and things like that. Then they have other accelerators for like healthcare, where they have healthcare-specific entities uh, that you can use. And they have done some for education, some for manufacturing, and some for non-profit uh, businesses and so on. And that's kind of the standard that Microsoft is providing. And then there are, of course, other businesses as well that Microsoft not yet have, have had the chance to build accelerators. And there we, of course, have all the ISV vendors that, that provide a lot of, a lot of um, solutions for those accelerators. So, so with integrations, this is kind of the middle hub where you create your common data module and common data service, a middle point for everything that all other systems should integrate with so you have one truth about your data. And to confuse us even further, Microsoft has another term for this, right? And they call it the power platform nowadays, right? So the CDS is almost like this power platform where you have both the Power BI, Power power apps and then the flow baked into that but that's all based on the common data service right i would say that the common data service is what's called xrm that's one part of the power platform the power apps canvas apps uh, the flow all of the other parts they are part of the uh, the power platforms and cds is also a part of the power platforms but the power platforms is a higher authority than the CDS in itself. That's at least as I see it, but things try to change all the time. So let's see where it goes in the future. Yeah, okay, I agree with you there. That's that's actually a better explanation. We then look at, at what has this to do with integrations. Well, we just explained that the CDS is the middle hub. We should integrate everything. Now, going into the data integrator, that, that is the main topic for today, that would be how to integrate CDS or Dynamics 365 uh, customer engagement, we would like to call it that, with Dynamics 365 operations. And the the data integrator is something that you work with and administrate within the Power Apps admin. So what you do in there is that you work with all of these components where CDS and CDM are two of the components. Then I think the key component to all of this is what's called the data connectors. Now, data connectors 
is something that's being broader and broader. Data connectors is used in Flow as well and in Logic Apps as well. If you would go into Flow and try to connect to something, the first thing you get is all these data connectors where you can select what, what you want to connect with. So everything that's available in Flow, when you try to connect it to something, you can do a lot of searching. You can connect it either other Microsoft platforms like uh, Azure AD or SharePoint or something like that, or external systems like Salesforce or MailChimp or uh, even stuff like Google Calendar is in there. So you have all of these data connectors that enables you to trigger thing. And uh, a data connector is kind of like a layer outside on, on the API that lets you lets integration engines like the data integrator or flow communicate with them and transforms what the what you manage within the engine to the connectors. So they are kind of a key here. Now we have data connectors between Dynamics 365 customer engagement and Dynamics 365 operations. And these two are the two keys here. And the data connectors is what enables us both in flow and in, in uh, now data connectors is what enable us both in flow in, in the data integrator to via drag and drop select what fields we would like to put in where and do without coding integration where we map different fields from one system to another system. So that's the data integrators are the key to that. Now, in between there, when we do integrations, we need a data engine. As mentioned before, Flow is one of the data engines used, but the data integrator is another one. And that's the one that we are putting the big focus on here because the data integrator is what Microsoft has provided as the behind the scenes integration to keep Dynamics 365 together as one solution. Okay, so if we pause here for just a second and, and, and try to look at this then. So we go into the web interface of this Power Apps, you add this connection both to the customer engagement and to finance and operations. And then you start with this integration project where you use these two connections as a connection set in that project. And then you start with the mapping and that's drag and drop, right? Or do you have a template or you start from scratch or how does that look for you? Correct. So there are three different flows set up. That's what I call a application layer. So in when Microsoft is doing the pre-sales for this, they are selling it in a lot like a next, next, next. And that's actually what it is because there has been uh, integration layer developed for this. I was myself a part of developing this for the field service uh, application layer. Uh, Microsoft hired me as a consultant to sit down with the, together with them and build this flow. And what we did then is that we create a CRM solution with some setup. We create data entities in operations. And data entities in operations, they are kind of like views for operations that kind of you can send data into the data entities and they transform the data into the tables in operations and you can get data out from the data entities by calling them and then say they are sending the data out again and the and the data entities in operations they are kind of 
as well as like you do with database views, they can be a combination of several tables as well. You can get the data out from several tables at once. So this is where the transformation, so it looks like this common data model, but from the finance and operation point of view, so we get it as close as we can to the common data model and the customer engagement side, so we can use it easily in the data integrator later. Yeah, so the data application both has the the operations data entities and the CRM slim. And then it also has mappings, a preset of templates of mappings where you can kind of have a startup. Kind of like if you would start working with accounts in CRM, you get a form where you have a setup with fields from the start. So the mapping is the same. You have a uh, out-of-the-box mapping with different fields. One field pointing from customer engagement, pointing to another field in finance and operations. And that enables you to start from that. Then, of course, if you create a custom field in in uh, CE or in FO, you can map those to each other as well and change the templates. Okay, so is it easily done or how was the restrictions from your point of view then? I think you should always start from the exiting setup and then do a fit gap. We that are coming from from the CRM side, like like you and me, Marcus, we are really we are really used to doing really custom setups, and and we do a lot of development. If we look at the guys coming from finance and operations, they are more used kind of looking at what do we have, how close is that to what the customer needs, and we we kind of in, when doing these integrations, you need to keep a bit more to the structure that finance and operations are using there. So take a look at the existing flow and think about what this is what we have, how much do we need to change it to fit the business. Okay, so if we try to look at one of the mappings here, then how does that look at? So if we have, let's say, contacts in finance and operations and we want to have them move into CRM world or customer engagement world. And then they have this, okay, it's connected to this account over here, this parent customer, but you don't have that internal CRM ID and finance and operation. You might have that customer number. How does that lookup or data mapping works in this data integrator? So what you do with a data integrator is that you have keys. So you kind of find what should be the key, both for finance and operations and for CE, for each of the entities that you are integrating. So if we take account for maybe use the account number and have the same account number in customer engagement as within finance and operations. So do you define that somewhere that, okay, if we're going to refer accounts, we're always going to use this, this lookup column over here? Or do you use that per relationship that you have so you do it every time? Yes, exactly. So what you do in the integration is that you create something called a connection set. So the connection set is something you use for each kind of business unit, if we should call it like that. So you set up a connection set where you point out one CRM business unit pointing at the legal entity in operations. A legal entity in operations is kind of the same thing as a business unit in CRM, give or take. Uh, and 
in that connection set, you also define what should be the integration keys for the different entities that you're working with in there. And then you can create projects from that. And the project is then one entity in CRM pointing to another entity in operations or the other way. Can you have integration going both way or is it one way only? Yeah, so from the start, uh, this has been batch jobs doing. And you could, of course, set up one project for from CRM to operations and another project for operations to CRM. Then you just kind of need to think about how do we make sure that data doesn't start looping in these two projects and do some built-in. In the standard flows that was provided from Microsoft from the beginning, there was no support for that. The scenarios were either from CRM to operations or for operations to CRM in different flows. Now, in, in the spring sometime, Microsoft will uh, release something called dual rights. And dual rights is built to be a two-way sync. And this is kind of, they have kind of tweaked the whole, the whole scenario of how, building, how to build this because previously it was all batch jobs where the data integrator went in every third minute, getting the data from one system, pushing it to the other system. Three minutes was just an example. You could set it to whatever you would like. But now they are in the dual right, they have built it all trigger-based instead. So you have a trigger in customer engagement, just like you would have it with Flow or something. You say, watch on the event, create or, or the create trigger for... Uh, so you say, take a look at the create trigger in customer engagement and send it over to finance and operations. Now, previously, until version 10 in operations, it has not been possible doing it that way. So that was why it was initially built with batch jobs, because operations was only supporting batch jobs doing calls to operations. They weren't supporting trigger-based events sending out. And now in the latest version, they have created something called business events, which is kind of like in CRM, where they push the data out instead of you doing a batch job from it. Okay, so we have this CRUD events there that we kind of always had in CRM, where we have this create, update, delete on every entity, and we can listen for those events and then do integration or all kind of business logic that we would like. Yeah, that was my hope. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's not really that good in, in the first version now. Business events is actually something you still need to set up as a developer within finance and operation, but it still enables you to do a CRUD on an entity with, with development before that even wasn't possible within finance and operations. Then you could only do batch jobs. So now we at least have the possibility, even though it requires some coding. However, now, with the dual rights, it, when you implement that, that gives you the CRUD uh, functionality for each entity that you enable in the dual right. So then you don't need the developers to set, to set it up. So that's one of the most amazing things with dual rights, that if you do this custom, you would do a lot of work to get just the CRUD from finance and operation, the dual right that comes out of the box. Okay, so one scenario could be that contact that you would like to change something on and you could then 
when this is released, do do changes both in customer engagement to that contact or in finance and operations, and it would sink both ways. Yeah, so that's the main attention that that. So the the main reason of this is that you, depending on what user you are, should be able to either work from customer engagement or from finance and operations, and it would work the same, seamless, independent on where you are within the system. So this version 10 then that you talked about, is this for the, the latest online version of FNO or is this available somehow on any on-premise version that you know of? Version 10 is not yet released for general availability online, so I'm pretty sure it's not available on-premise yet. Now, I mean, I'm more of a CRM guy than I'm a FNO guy, so so I I can't promise you that that's actually how it looks. But I think it will be a general release now sometime during the spring. And then maybe it will be available for on-premise versions just before the summer. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. So if I remember correctly, the last time I checked, was was it like the, the latest FNO was AX2012 for on-premise? Or has there been a sort of a finance and operations on-premise version even? What you can do is that you can set up a, a local Azure uh, installation that's kind of on your own servers and then you can install FNO on that. So in, in that common sense you can do it local and the, the initial thoughts that was that it was all supposed to be online but there are some businesses when you look at businesses like the utility business and so on that requires that you have some of the data stored within Sweden as an example and then you need to have it installed your on your own servers because Microsoft only provides it within certain areas such as Europe or uh, Americas. Or... Yeah, perhaps. I mean, this ERP, they might always have some hybrid solution where the point of sales always need to work. Either it's some local internet access doesn't really work. They have to be able to keep the sales going either way. Yeah. But um, um, so what are the templates that Microsoft is providing for us here? You, you talked something about the product, no, sorry, field service, right? But there were some other ones, right? Yeah. So there are three different scenarios or application layers that Microsoft are providing. The first one is the prospect to cache. So the prospect to cache is about... First of all, I mean, the standard entities, as we have talked about before, integrating accounts, contacts, and, and the standard pieces. Then, of course, everything that's b between prospect to cash. So it starts off with, with the quote. You create a quote within customer engagement. The quote go over to finance and operations. Then you, from there, can qualify the quote to an order within finance and operations, and that order goes over to customer engagement again. You can also, if you would like, qualify it within customer engagement to an order, and then the order goes down to finance and operations. You can set up that flow a bit depending on how you want to do your business by yourself. Initially, the order within finance and operations should then become an invoice, and that invoice is being fed 
into customer engagement as well. So that's the prospect to cash scenario. And that was the very first scenario that Microsoft launched. The second scenario that I have been the biggest part of is the field service scenario, since I was uh, part of the, de the development team there. So the field service scenarios is a really complex scenario where we first of all are integrating things like the warehouses. So the warehouses with all their stocks are going from finance and operations to CE. Now in CE then you would create things like work orders and add products and add services to that. That would then go back to finance and operations as orders. And those orders would then change this, the stock values within the warehouses and that values would then sync back to CE again. So you have a circle there. Then you also can do other stuff like when you're working with the warehouses and you want to do inventory transfers, moving products from one warehouse to another, you can do that within CE and that's synced over to, to uh, finance and operations as an inventory transfer or an inventory adjustment. So depending on what system you are in, there is a full sync for that. So that's that's the field service scenarios. So then we have the project service automation scenarios. That's a lot about the scenarios where you're delivering a service and you want to work with Gantt schemas and so on that we know of from the project service module within customer engagement. Now in here, it's a lot about feeding finance and operations, transactional data such as uh, fines and time registers and so on that she build out to the customer. So those are the three main scenarios that are set up here. And that's kind of where you start. Then you can do a lot of stuff by your own. I have done a lot around metadata tables, for example. So one example of metadata table that I did, I started working with this when we only had the cash scenarios, was things like payment terms. In CRM, we had drop lists with payment terms. In finance and operations, we had tables, uh, payment terms. And there, the, in finance and operations, the users could easily go and add a new payment. But if we then should add that as uh, option set value within customer engagement, and then add it to the mapping, that would be a lot of work just to add a payment term. So what we did instead was that we set up integration just for payment terms, where finance and operations were feeding CRM with payment terms every night. So if you created a new payment term, that went over to a custom entity within customer engagement that was called payment term. And on the quote, instead of having an uh, option set with payment terms, we had a lookup with the payment term entity. So you could add a payment term there. And that we actually helped Microsoft building into the standard solution this fall. So that, that was really cool stuff. And you can do that a lot of that by yourself as well. If you have other things from finance and operations or from CE that you want to integrate from one of the way to the other of the ways. So there must be common scenarios with within these three sets of application layers here then. So I mean, currency is probably the first one that I'm thinking about because everyone needs some 
currency to work with and then exchange rate and you probably want it to be the same in customer engagement as you have in finance and operations and that must be part of this as well right and then products some product list to choose from so is that sort of a common between them or are there sets that you import and then you exclude all the other things if you just want this common sort of base integration here yeah so products is definitely a part of the base integration that we are using uh, as well as currencies exchange rate is actually not a part of of the standard scenarios but it's definitely something that you would be able to add in there if you want to integrate that. Now, there can be some differences for products. As an example, we have an add-on when we do it from field service than when we were doing it for prospect to cash. Because if you think of a, what you need for a product within prospect to cash, it's about the sales currency, you need the sales unit and uh, some basic sales information about that. When we did it in with field service, we needed to have more information like the base unit and the delivery unit, and you have different type of, of units on products and so on. So there were some data that was needed additionally to make the field service flows run that we didn't need to have when we did the prospect to cash runs. Okay, so are are these some some templates from these application layers that I can use and incorporate as a base then? Or do I start from this and then just turn off things that I don't need if I have some uh, CRM or customer engagement to FNO that I wanna start with and don't wanna start from a blank slate? I think you should always start from a template. That's definitely a easier way because you will otherwise probably do a lot of the errors that we did when we set up the templates or that the other guys in Microsoft that set up the templates has already run into. So it's kind of not eventing the wheel again and use that. And just as you're saying, just remove some of the fields that you don't need to use anymore. If we try to look back at the components here for data integrations, do we have anything that we missed or overlooked in there? One of the things that we really haven't been speaking very much about is uh, the Power Query. So Microsoft has enabled Power Query to do selections and do deep down filtering and adding stuff. So it's about not only being able to select fields, or doing filters just on the entity that you are working on right now, also doing filters on related entity. So take, for example, that we don't want to integrate customers that has the customer type of prospect. We only want to integrate the customers that has the customer type of customer. And then, of course, we have a lot of contacts that are connected to these prospects. We can't send over the contacts to finance and operations before we have the customer. So then we need to do a filter on the contacts to only select the contacts that are related to a customer that's a customer and not a prospect. Okay, so you use Power Query to sort of filter down the 
integratable objects then so these contacts are filtered down so you don't you only have okay accounts that are going all over their active contacts are then syncable yeah correct you can also use it to add data from another entity so say that you want to send in when you're sending in the contact you also want to send in maybe the currency from the company because the currency is required for the contact in fno as well then you can select that field from the company or the account entity and add that to the contact entity when you're sending it over to finance and operations hmm, cool i think that when you're working with this you should still see it kind of like i have something that i call the 80 20 rule where i say that you can get 80 percent of the functionality for 20 percent of the cost the last 20 percent of the functionality takes 80 percent of the costs and the Power Apps Data Integrator, it, you can't do everything with it. It has some limitations, but you can get really far with a very short amount of time and get something rolling between these two systems to a really low time cost. Now, if you really need the 100%, then maybe this application isn't the best application to use. Then there are other applications like Logic Apps, for example, but Still, for the most of the companies, they are more than satisfied getting what you can get out of the data integrator and the standard templates because they get something speaking between these two systems. A lot of companies don't even have integration at all. And now they could get it for just a small amount of, of hours instead. So would you call this a brick wall that you hit and then suddenly you have to switch entirely or could you say that, okay, this one entity, it's not enough with this common data integrator. So we have to use a flow or a logic app for that separate entity, but all of the other stuff we can just leave in the other things that are already working. Well, you could definitely do like that. Then you, of course, get other problems such as that you have two different integrations. And if something goes wrong, where should we start looking? and so on but but that's definitely an option anyhow i think you should kind of do a hard valuation before you start off with any of them because they i think the the biggest challenger to the data integrator right now is logic apps i mean flow is is more of a business uh, user interface that's up on logic apps so if you compare logic apps with the data integrator, they have some pros and cons. If we take a look at Logic Apps, it has more possibility to write code directly in it, which of course gives you bigger flexibility and you can connect it to other connectors. The data integrator today is only between customer engagement and operations. They're looking at adding some other systems into that, but when you're looking at Logic Apps, it has like a thousand data connectors to connect it. So if you're looking at connecting to several different systems, I think maybe Logic Apps is the better version right now. Logic Apps also has a better error handling. You can connect all the Azure functionality that, that's for error handling within Logic Apps. You can't really do that with, with the data integrator. But as said before, the data integrator has a lot easier interface it's 
it can be handled more by solution architects that's not really used writing so much code. Logic Apps is more for developers. Uh, the data integrator has all of these out-of-the-box templates that Logic Apps doesn't have today. And as we mentioned before, the, the data integrator today installs the CRUD functionality. Okay, so if I look at that, I have one of these templates. And that has, that has been working for me. Okay, let's take the, the prospect to cache. I have that working. It's, an, it's the pretty default template that I have running. Do you see it as then if I go into an area where the data connector cannot support me for some various reason, is that then the brick wall? So I have to change all of it to the logic app. Is that your recommendation then? No, I think that kind of brings us down to the CDS again as a middle hub. So you can use the data integrator to start up and build the connection between common data service and finance and operations and have the data integrator as the connector between those two systems. But then you can use Logic Apps to connect the CDS to different systems. So if you want to talk with MailChimp, for example, you could use Logic Apps to connect the CDS to MailChimp and connect data between that. And then you can use the data integrator to transform that data from CDS over to finance and operations. So let's say if I have some very complex mapping that I'm doing that a data integrator cannot handle. It has a fairly advanced function that I want to do and transform the data in some way. Then is that, I, I, I want to press you here a little bit and see where it cracks down then. Yeah. And I mean, when you're getting, when it's getting really complex, that's kind of where, where I wouldn't logic apps instead feel that you need to use special functions, transform data in, in really special ways. Then logic apps is better functionality because you can do a lot of ifs, elfs, for loops, and those types of things within logic apps. You can't do a for loop within uh, the data integrator as an example. That's a transformation and you might be able to do some truncating between values, but that's kind of where, where it stops. So what's worth thinking about when doing these integrations and I'm starting out and what's your top five tips or top some tips? Yeah, so starting about the integration approach, I think you really need to have a pragmat approach to that and see where both of these two systems and implementation types are coming from. So traditionally, when implementing an ERP system, you do it waterfall. Traditionally, when implementing a CRM system, you do it with an agile approach. And the main reason because of that is because CRM systems are information-based and ERP systems are flow-based. And that's the main reason from the start why Microsoft never put both the CRM functionality or the customer engagement functionality into the finance and operations platform because the customer engagement platform is really good at handling data and adding fields and creating a great information flow around the customer. But it's not really good with the big transactions and so on that you might want to do within a system like finance and operations doing 
huge billing badges with uh, millions of rows in, in one take. So that's from the start why these two systems has been kept apart. And that's also why you should use, you need to use different strategies when implementing them. But the hard thing here is then if you're implementing both of them at the same time, you need to find approach where you can do both agile for the CRM and then do waterfall for finance and operations. So my best experience there is that you try to have smaller agile sprints within customer engagement, but still when it comes to uh, flow tests and user acceptance tests, you need to follow the waterfall uh, structure for that. So you start off agile and then you kind of break it down to, to more of a waterfall approach towards that. So that's that's the implementation strategy about that. Then I also think it's really important what resources you have in that project and who takes responsibility. You kind of need to team up with a strong solution architect from the CRM side and a strong solution architect from, from the finance and operations side and get them to, to work together with how the data should flow between the two systems and get them to take ownership, both of them. Because if you change something in, in uh, finance and operations or if you change something in customer engagement, that will have effects on the other systems and it can either break the, break the integration or it can create really strange data for the other system. So you kind of need to team up really between the two sides and and uh, get a full overview of the architecture for the whole Dynamics 365 platform. Yeah, and it might be a what looked like a fairly simple change. Oh, we need this field to be a bit longer in customer engagement. Let's just change that and, and go from 100 characters to 200 characters. Yeah, that, it, it can't hurt, right? Yeah, that's a really good example of, of where it can go really, really bad because that field within finance and operations could have a maximum value of 100 characters. And you can't really change that in finance and operations without the code. So a big change within finance and operations, even though if you as a, as a CRM guy think that it's a five-minute change, it might actually just end up being two days change instead. So keeping that in mind that you have integrations, do pay, um, you sort of have to pay that when you start changing your customer engagement side. So that's what you were trying to allude to, right? Yeah, correct. All right. So where do I go if I want to know more? Yeah. So first of all, Microsoft has some really document where you read about all of the flows. They have provided some really good setups on how to set up the integration keys, how to start off with the templates and get your connection sets and projects running for this. So go in there, have a read about it. They also have some videos. And then if you have a customer engagement and a finance and operations license, like a plan two license, you actually already are paying for this today. So why don't you just go in there, try to set something up. Don't do it in your production environment. <laughs> yeah, don't start there. <laughs> no. So if I just start a trial then, because I, I try this because I'm curious and, and it did seem like if I start a trial for finance and operations, I don't become an 
admin in there. Do you know if that's correct or if if I just uh, newbie to finance and operations and I just don't know enough about it? Unfortunately, I, I don't know that. I've never set up a, a trial in finance operations myself. All right. So where are you going to be next then? Well, right now, three weeks time, I'm heading down to Amsterdam and I'm going to be uh, one of the speakers at the Extreme 365 conference uh, talking about the data integrator, of course. So really looking forward to that. Also looking forward to the great sessions that they always have on that conference and uh, giving that another month. So in the end of April, I'm also getting married. So um, I have two really uh, busy months now going forward. All right. Congratulations, Ted. Thank you very much. And by the time shifting, this is coming out in like a week from where we're recording it. So we're recording out on the 7th of March and it's going to come out in the 14th of March. So extreme that is the 25th to 27th of uh, March, I think. Yeah, that's correct. So that will be like two weeks after this airs then correct so i hope i will see everyone that's listening there and and hope to see you there and uh and if you see any of us just come up to us and say hi right yeah correct definitely love to talk to you to everyone and share uh, share experiences from different implementations uh, previously when i met people at different conferences I feel like I'm I'm gaining so much because there is always someone that has an experience that I haven't had and hopefully I can share some of my experiences to someone as well. I mean, we are all in this boat where we are trying to to navigate and get the best solutions and I think the best way to do it is just sharing with each other. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Ted. Thank you for your participation in CM Rocks, Ted Olson. Thank you, Marcus. And thanks to you listening. And don't forget, you can comment, subscribe, just search for Serum Rocks and you will find it. See you next time on Serum Rocks.